As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. I know I can lead men. I know I know the game of football and I'm passionate about it. I spent 14 years in a locker room. I went to the playoffs 12 times. I got five dudes in the Hall of Fame that I play with. You don't think I've seen greatness? Welcome back to 1% Better slash the Lower Quartile Podcast. This is Zach Kiefer joined by James Boyd. Long travel day yesterday coming home from Dallas. Colts lost in a way they haven't lost in a very long time. 21 to 19 game going into the fourth quarter ended with a 54 to 19 final. It was surreal to be there, to watch the avalanche happen, to see the dam just break on a season that was already broken in a lot of respects. But there's so many things to take away from this game, James. And and I almost feel like this buy arrives at the perfect time because I was just talking to a coach this morning and, and he's like, we need to get away for a couple days and reset. I think you and I need a couple days. And everybody that's following this team needs a weekend off from watching this team football play football. But 54 to 19, we'll get into everything that went wrong on offense at the end of the game. But James, where is this team at right now at four, eight, and one, having lost three of four with Jeff Saturday as the interim? They're free falling. And I know I did that piece last week on tanking and how the players aren't tanking. And obviously they never would on at any circumstance for any team because their jobs are on the line. However, you know, tanking, free-falling, losing, whatever you want to call it, they're moving up the draft board because they're just not a good football team. And it, like you said, it felt like the dam broke. I use the term avalanche, and, you know, rookie Alec Pierce, he was like, yeah, I'm not used to this at all. He's like, you know, comes from Cincinnati, a pretty good program. Obviously, they had a great year when he was there, and he's like, we were the ones who were doing the avalanching, and now, you know, we're under it. And you know, you just felt the frustration in the locker room, and it felt like, as Jeff Saturday put it, a calamity of errors. And it was just one after another after another after a pretty like good game back and forth for three quarters. Like that's the part that kind of gets forgotten. I thought the Colts outplayed them for the most part in the first half, but the Cowboys did what good teams do: they finished in the red zone. The Colts didn't, but they were there. They were in the game, and Isaiah Rogers. I don't think that call gets overturned, but I did ask Isaiah, and he said, I caught it. And I said, are you sure? And he said, I caught it. Maybe the game turns. Maybe it ends up the same exact way. But 
Did you feel walking away that there's just no room for error and one mistake leads to, like you said, an avalanche? Yeah, I've talked about this and I've asked multiple players about this. Matt Ryan specifically, I remember a couple weeks ago, I asked him what's the margin for error with this team. And he's like, you know, it's not that big. But going back to that. No, there's no it's zero. It's no, zero. No, there's it's, nothing. Yeah, it's pretty. It's a net negative with this team. But um, Isaiah Rogers, going back to the pick, Jeff Saturday was asked about the yesterday on the Zoom. And he basically said, like, we got to call down. You know, we've we got a good look at it. They're, they weren't going to overturn it. It hit the ground. Like, we were, you know, and and I, I believe it did hit the ground. I, I, I admire Isaiah Rogers' confidence. Every player is going to say they caught it, whether they did or didn't in this league, it seems like. But he didn't catch that. So I'm not too upset about, you know, the non-flag uh, being thrown or not throwing the flag for that to challenge it. But I don't think that that one play really changed the game. Like, it changed, obviously, a huge sequence there. But, I mean, earlier in the game, Rodney McLeod gave up a touchdown on, a like, a play that he makes a thousand times, you know, correctly, which he made correctly on that play. And CeeDee Lamb lucks up and rolls over him and scores, and they, like, took it on the chin and kept playing. So I just felt like the biggest overall issue, as usual, were the turnovers, and that was the theme. I'm sure you talked to many players about it. I talked to many players about it. The common theme was turnovers. You're not going to win an NFL game or even keep it close if you turn it over five times, and that's what they did, four of them from Matt Ryan. And so it was a beatdown on national television for everyone to see. And the crazy part is, like, the Colts will have some more primetime games. I don't think they're good, as ugly as that, but that just felt like everything that was an issue for this team was an issue collectively all together at once in that fourth quarter. Yeah, and we hadn't seen that really like that since maybe Jacksonville in week two, and, and, and the players at a loss for words. We've been asking them the same questions. They've been answering the same way for months, but we all know it. They know it. The offensive players know it. You guys out there watching know it. This is on the offense. The failure of this team is the offense this season. Now, that doesn't mean the defense is perfect, but let's just go through the numbers. I mean, these are alarming stats, James. 46 sacks allowed so far, the most in the, in the league. They fumbled it 30 times. They fumbled it 30 freaking times. They've turned it over 26 times. Both of those are obviously highest in the league. And Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan, let's get into the quarterback. I don't know if we're going to see Matt Ryan the rest of the way. That's a decision Jeff Saturday is going to have to make. Initially, he said we're going to roll with what we've got. But then he added later that, you know, it's five minutes after the game, five minutes after a beating. And any decision he makes at that point would be a bad decision. I think everything's going to be evaluated. And that's what he said Monday. But Matt Ryan. Guilty of 18 turnovers this season, 13 interceptions, five fumbles. And as you looked up, this is a great stat. If he was just playing by himself, you know, when they rank all the teams, if it was just a Matt Ryan category, he'd be tied for the sixth most of any team in the league by himself. That's a problem. I'm not sure you could move forward with him. This was your story Sunday night, James. Where do the Colts, again, I'm asking you this, where do the Colts go at quarterback? Yeah, so one thing that I should have mentioned in the story um, in hindsight, so when they benched Matt Ryan the first time, the team was 3-3-1 three, three and one and had, you know, some hope of, like, actually riding the ship. And he had led game-winning drives in each of their three wins. And so he was injured at the time. We were all like, why would you bench him for the rest of the season for Sam Ellinger? Um, and then, obviously, things changed when it came to the, you know, Jeff Saturday being hired and putting him back into the starting lineup. But at this point, He's a detriment to the team. I'm sorry. 
I understand that he's led game-winning drives in all four of their wins, the only four wins of the season. However, I look at it like this. He can't remain in that position just because it's the easiest thing to do, just because that was a plan all season when he's not producing. Like he, to me, his mistakes are outweighing the wins at this point. Like how many losses are on his hands? And I'll get that. The offensive line has been terrible. The running game has not been very good all year. However, this is not all on them. And to be quite frank, like, you cannot have that many turnovers and being star- be a starting quarterback in the NFL uh, for any team. I-, I-, I understand that Matt Ryan is a former league MVP, four-time Pro Bowler, um, and really a class actor of this entire season. And he was sold something that he hasn't been given as far as like what the team would actually look like on paper. But I don't understand how you look other guys in the in the face in that locker room and you tell him you tell them he can keep his job just because like that's kind of the response that I got when I when I basically wrote that they should give Nick Foles a shot and I didn't I wouldn't have really written this piece I guess specifically about Nick Foles if Jeff Saturday hadn't moved him up to QB2 and as before you know Jeff Saturday with his coaching changes and stuff he'll say one thing and then we might look up in a couple weeks and it might be different and so I feel like if you feel like you know you and because I asked why did you bring him up and he's like, well, he was more experienced. Thought he could do some more things, do some things in the two minute drill that maybe Sam Ellinger was a weird answer. wasn't ready for. Whatever the case may be, I don't really care what the answer was. My point is, you brought him up. He's more experienced. He does have a big arm, you know. And at, at the end of the day, I just don't think that if anybody else is playing as poorly as Matt Ryan has been and, and just being, um, you know, I, I guess a shell of himself, those guys wouldn't be out there. That's the bottom line. Like, and I feel like you cannot, you know, play that game. And then I, know I hear fans and they're saying like, oh, it doesn't matter. Just let us lose, whatever. Other people matter besides Matt Ryan in the quarterback position in the in the in the pick for the future. And I and now whether you keep losing or not, I do think that other guys in that in that locker room deserve to have the best product out there that they can because they're playing for their lives too. How do you evaluate, you know, other guys on the team when you're constantly putting them in positions where they have to do sh- be on short fields? Because you're fumbling or you're throwing, you're throwing interceptions. Like he mentioned, the first one it could have been a defensive pass interference. The ball was high, got tipped, it was, it was picked. The second one, the ball just took forever to get there. It was underthrown. You know, it gets jumped. The third one, I guess, was a communication issue between him and Ashton Doolin. And then the fumble, again, terrible protect, protection. But why are you the only one? Like, there's other quarterbacks that have been sacked a lot in this league this season and have not fumbled as many times as you. So it just feels like. That game for me just cemented the fact that he's done, quite frankly. And and I understand that he's owed a lot of money for next season. And even if he is brought back from just a financial standpoint, I just don't think he should play again for this team. I really don't. And and then part of it is also how many times has Nick Foles been jerked around this season? Like, yeah, it's a good word. It, it's for ridiculous. It. And I'm answers like, well, let's see what Sam has. And you know, he's young and he's mobile and and, and he's he could be a, the future. No. He is a second, you know, second year, six round pick. You should not build your future around that. And again, I thought that he was in over his head because the offense was even worse when he was in there. Did I get it? He faced a, a Bill Belichick defense, but you know, even the game before, he had a fumble that was not forced by anyone, where he just lost the ball. And I get it; it's his first game, first start. But I just feel like Nick Foles has been jerked around too much with this franchise. And again, to move him up to QB two. After disrespectfully, in my opinion, being QB three almost all season, 
it's ridiculous. Well, not all season, but, you know, throughout some of the changes throughout this season, I think that he deserves a shot because I feel like at this point, everyone has gotten a shot except for him. And it absolutely cannot get any worse. I hate to say this. I know I'm like rambling, but I'll just say this and be blunt. If you go based off of how much a player is getting paid and what they are producing, Matt Ryan is on the short list of like worst players in the league. And again, he's a class act. He answers every question. He takes all the criticism. He takes blame, even when it's not his fault entirely. I just don't think that you can put him back out there. And and honestly, I don't. I think his arm is probably worse than it was before the shoulder separation, which we can get into that. But and I'll let you talk. But Jeff Saturday's response to that, you know, yesterday was really weird. He's like, I don't talk to players about injuries. I just trust them, and they tell me they're good, and we just go. What? You're the head coach. You should ask him about that. That gets into a whole nother avenue in this and to go back to matt ryan like the arm isn't there everybody sees it we all see it and to make a move to make a decision on playing time based on financials is just bad football and and i don't expect the colts to make that decision for next year i don't think you can bring matt ryan back i think that's pretty clear but the addendum to that is is where is the shoulder and and you asked this yesterday and this is a really strange answer but it also offers a layer into how this team is thinking right now and operating with, again, a guy that was on a TV set a month ago. Like, this is really strange. I've, I've covered this league 10 years, and I've never heard an answer like this. Here's the question. From the film you watched of Matt Ryan earlier this year compared to now, do you see the shoulder injury impacting him since he came back? And Jeff said, I don't think so. That'd be a question you have to ask him. I don't get into injuries with players. They tell me they're good to go. I believe them, and I've never questioned anybody. So I haven't asked him if his shoulder is hurting him. I leave that to the trainers. You have to do that. I mean, Jeff has to do his job at the very core essence of it is to put players in the best position to win, to put the team in the best position to win. And part of that is understanding who's hurt and who's not. Every single player you talk to is going to tell you they're good. Most of them are. Players, as Mike Chappell, our, our buddy in the media room, often says, players are oftentimes the worst source when it comes to injuries about themselves. And I don't see the arm velocity with Matt Ryan. He can't beat the corners with the velocity. He can't beat the safeties. And it blew up in the fourth quarter Sunday night. And so if Jeff Saturday's not even aware of if Matt Ryan's playing in pain right now, that's just a further indication that this is, in in some respects, a clown show. This is a circus because they don't even know if their quarterback's hurt or not. The head coach doesn't. And again, and I, I want to make this clear because I've said this a bunch of times, I'm not blaming Jeff Saturday for signing up for this. I'm not blaming Parks Frazier. And I'm not blaming Matt Ryan. This is a mess of the Colts making. It starts with Jim Irsay and it extends in a very big way to Chris Ballard. This is the team you put together. And specifically, this is the offense you put together. And it is abysmal. And it's one of the worst in football. And it really is an indictment of all the decisions you made this past spring to start Matt Pryor, etc. But also three and four years of decisions since Luck walked away at how you want to build this team. And then to kind of piggyback off that, well, I guess one quick thing is uh, Kevin Bowen actually asked a question. He's the guy. And I feel like Kevin ah, ah. And, and Zach, I feel like Kevin's been on the streak where he asks the question and then the game comes and you're like, wow, in hindsight, that was a great question or whatever. And so um, he's he's the one that got that reaction out of, uh you know, the, the response from Jeff Saturday. I put it out on Twitter and everyone's got Shout out pain. KB. Yeah, KB's the man. But by comparison, because I was like, hmm, this you know, let me go back. Because when he's, you know, when KB and I feel like he asked this question to Jeff Saturday about the film. Because remember when Frank Reich was telling us how he was watching the tape on Shaquille Leonard and it wasn't the same? 
And so I dug up that quote and I found it. And by comparison, they wanted to see the same player and the tape didn't show them the same player. And by comparison, Frank Reich told us, you know, this is a collaborative decision between myself, you know, the, the coaching staff, the medical staff and Shaquille Leonard. It's not just because and I, and I kept thinking to myself, what would it would have looked like if, you know, Jeff Saturday was a coach, Shaq Leonard was available and he wasn't healthy. Well, I just trust the guys and let them, let them play. And that's the thing. Like you, you have to save them from themselves at some point. And I don't think, you know, Matt Ryan's as injured as Shaq was when it comes to like the leg and the, and the ankle and the back issues. However, you do have to do your due diligence and at least ask the guy. Like, I mean, I, I don't understand how you don't do that. That's a lesson Jeff's learning among the other lessons, like when to call a timeout if your team's in the hurry up with three minutes with two minutes to go against the Steelers or whether to challenge or not. And we can argue about the merits of Isaiah's interception, but this team has regressed into what it was. It's regressed into what it is. And I labeled last week on the podcast that Vegas win was a sugar high. That was a sugar high. It was, it was fun. They won at the buzzer. Stephon Gilmore had the great pass breakup at the end. Paris Campbell had the game-winning touchdown because the, the Raiders are terrible on defense and they didn't tackle. But every week they have regressed more into what they are, which is a deeply flawed football team with an inconsistent offensive line, an old and mobile and sometimes erratic quarterback, and a running back who's in this weird funk right now. So let's dig into Jonathan Taylor. He's had some good runs, but he's really screwed up a lot this season. I counted two times on Sunday night where he blew the protection. And this was not an issue last year with Taylor. He was always good in protection. I'm talking pass pro. And there were two just blatant whiffs last night. And he's had the fumbles. And he's had this strange way of not owning up to it when we talked to him afterward. And it just has this weird vibe right now. No one has asked Taylor more questions than you, James. What are you taking from this? It's weird, man. I think that one, and I don't know if we ever talked about this on the podcast, it's weird that he's always the last one in the locker room. And I understand he has his routine, but it's almost like every week where we have to weigh, okay, is it worth waiting to talk to the star running back, one of the best players, you know, vote as a top five player in the league after a big game, versus getting back up to the press box and finishing our story so we can leave at a decent time. Matt Ryan has his routine. His body was beat to crap. He went up there and talked in his pads Sunday night. He knows that he's got an obligation. And I know this is not the most important thing, and most fans don't care at all whether they talk and when they talk to the media, but it just feels like JT is trying to avoid that at this point. Yeah, it's it's weird. Like, he waits it out, and then I feel like if it was another player, maybe, I, you know, you don't care as much, but you're a star player. You're the face of the yes. team, dude. You're like, you got to face the music. And the it's different. Like, if you're playing great and you're like, hey, I don't really want to talk about, you know, how great I'm playing, whatever, whatever. Cool, whatever. We'll talk to other people about how great you've been. But when you mess up, I, I just think that you have to, one, own it, and then, two, like, make an effort to own it. So it feels like we have to either wait him out or hope that they put him on, you know, the Zoom call the next day, which they did. And so one thing I want to mention is last week it was the fumble against Pittsburgh, which goes down to Matt Ryan's fumble. But after watching it over and over again, I truly believe that's on JT. He looked like he alligator armed it, dropped the ball. And he says, you know, something along the lines of, I have to watch the film, see if it's something that I could have done better. You know, I'm sure there was. Or Matt Ryan, I'm sure he's probably thinking he could have done some things better. No, you dropped the ball. You need to own that. And then you saw we follow up this week 
He has two blown pass pro blitz pickups, I believe on the same drive. And, you know, I asked him, this was my question, just verbatim. I said, it looked like a couple times there were some protection and communication issues going on throughout the game. Was that your fault? Was it, you know, your communication with Matt Ryan? How do you explain some of the sacks where it looked like you tried to slide over and you were you weren't there in time? And his answer is, yeah, that's on all of us. Like you said, it's a communication thing. You go into the game with the plan. Of course, they show you something different. I mean, it's a primetime game. Of course, they show things slightly different and you got to adjust on the fly. But this is the NFL and that's what you have to be able to do. You got to be able to adjust on the fly, especially in primetime games like that, where you know there's going to be curveballs. Primetime, you know, fluff aside, curveballs aside, all that stuff. The first thing he says is, yeah, that's on all of us. No, maybe it's just on you. Maybe it's just on you. And that's not like an indictment of JT. He's a great player, you know, a really good dude. But it is weird for the second straight week for you not to own it. When it and we're not saying it's all your fault because obviously this team has, has a, a calamity of errors, a calamity of issues. But you, story of the like, season. I don't know. It's weird when a star player can't just own it. I don't know how other guys in the locker room feel about that in particular, but I just know as a human being that will rub me the wrong way when you can't just own it. And you, and then to contrast that with defensive guys owning several losses this season, which wasn't their fault. If you look at the grand scheme of things, like they're owning a, Hey, we should have never given up that touchdown at the end of the game, but like they're holding teams to 17 points. You know, to to and giving them teams, you know, giving the Colts a chance to win. And you, you got and this is going to hurt their average, and this is going to hurt the story. But context matters, and and you're right. There's this weird avoidance of accountability, and I think Jeff has helped with that. I think Jeff Saturday, you know, I led my story Sunday night with Jeff calling his team together Thursday during practice and said, "Look, that walkthrough was crap earlier. You guys weren't here. You guys were not bringing it." Let's have the best practice we've had in three weeks. And I think the practices have been a little bit tougher the last couple of weeks. They've done more 1v1 in terms of starters versus starters. But again, this kind of bleeds into my story. They didn't need a motivator, a screamer. They needed someone to fix what's wrong on offense. And that was never going to happen in the middle of the season. Like Jeff Saturday said Sunday night, he said, look, if you're getting hired in the middle of the season, things are bad. But you're right, going back to JT, there was this weird tiptoeing and avoidance of accountability on that side of the ball, at least with him, that's really strange. And and looking at it clearly, he has hurt them at times this year. Now, it'd be nice if they gave him a hole and he helped them win the Raiders game with that huge 66-yard run, but file it among the many weird things of this season is JT fumbling the football, missing blocks, and just not sort of owning up to it afterward. I don't get that, and it, it's... It's again, it's not all his fault. It's not all anyone's fault. It is a complete just disaster, I guess, at this point. And then, you know, you talk to Paris Campbell about this and he's like, man, you know, 21, 19, I look up and it's 50 something to 19. And I, you know, I think he said that shit was embarrassing. Yes. That's what he said. And then I spoke to him, I believe later on the first time I've heard that this season. And I spoke to him later on, you know, I believe you had left the scrum to go talk to someone else. And he's just like, you know, this isn't what any of us envision for this season. And that's kind of the theme that really set in after Sunday night is like, we just got thumped. Um, there's no doubt about it. Like they couldn't even use the, we were just right there. Like, you know, line anymore. You got blasted. And one of the things that 
and you you know this is from doing journalism and there's like a couple people in the locker room you want to talk to after every game win lose draw and Zaire Franklin's one of them and he's like you know I asked him like what what changed in that in that fourth quarter and he's like turnovers and in, in, in short fields and that's as kindly as he will ever say to like and he won't say it and not saying he will ever point the finger because he is very like man dude if I got to make 50 tackles this game I'll just do it it's just not realistic though like you're in the highest level of the sport teams are gonna make plays but you need your offense to make plays as well like for example the biggest thing to me the biggest difference in the first half was when Stefan Gilmore got a pick the Colts settled for a field goal and he returned this they to the were 19. on the 19 exactly and then when the Cowboys he got to a take pick, it in yeah I said I said this to someone in the press box I said he needed to score there because this offense isn't good enough to score from the 19, and that is the inherent problem with this entire freaking season. Fourth from the bottom in red zone scoring, fourth from the bottom in third downs. They are just they just can't step on people's throats. And that's what the Cowboys did, Zach. Every time they got a turnover, a they scored. Too. I believe yeah. they scored 29 points off of the five turnovers. I believe it was four touchdowns, and one of them being a scoop and score on a Mo Ali Cox fumble on his only catch of the game, which was just like the epitome of the night. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. The shame of it is that was a good play. That was a good play designed by Parks Frazier. Mo Halley had nine or ten yards, and that dude is as sure-handed with the football as a lot of these guys. Over the past couple of years, his, his catch rate is exceptional. And then he just fumbles the ball, and what do the Cowboys do? That's a good team. They step on your throat. They embarrass you. The Cowboys, again, a historically great team. I, they haven't been good the last 20 years, but this is a team with five Super Bowls. It was the most points they'd ever scored in a quarter. It was 54 is the fifth most they've ever scored in a game and the second most they've scored since 1980. And this game was 21 to 19 with 15 minutes to go. Well, here's one more for you. They tied their franchise record with eight touchdowns in that game. And so it very, and, and we were talking about this, and it felt like those early season college games where you play, where like this power five plays this no name school and they just run the score up. And again, this was not the case for the entire game because they were going blow for blow. But then it just felt like, wow. This is how big the gap is between being, you know, as Jim Irsay said, that upper quartile team 
that you once used to be to where you are now. Like it feels like an ocean. The Cowboys can screw up. They can have busted coverages like they did on the touchdown to Doolin. They can play a sleepy three quarters, which they kind of did. They weren't very good and they can get away with it because they kill you when they have the chance. And the Colts haven't done that this season with the rare exception of maybe the Jags, the Jaguars win where Alec Pierce had the game when he touched down, but that's where they are. You guys watched the game. You probably turned it off. We were there until two or three in the morning that night writing. And it feels like let's, let's move this forward, James, before we log off here and, and, and hopefully get a breather before, you know, the bye week gets here and then, then uh, Minnesota the following week. But where's this team go? And I don't mean the next four games. I mean, where does this team go? Because it feels like, and tell me if you disagree, hiring Jeff Saturday as a permanent head coach feels like a very, very hard sell right now, even for a master salesman in Jim Mercer. Yeah, I don't think that he can be brought back. I think that was abundantly clear after this game. And specifically, the talk, the chatter that we got after the Eagles game was, oh, they were right there. You know, that this team with Frank Reich, some some fans say with this team with Frank Reich, they would have got blown out. Well, what just happened on Sunday night? They got obliterated. And, you know, we're asking the coach about, you know, starting quarterbacks, why a certain quarterback was brought up. His answers aren't really coach answers. They're not specific. And then the one telling thing to me is when we have asked players on the team about Jeff Saturday, the coach. And they don't say anything about coaching. And it's not their fault. They're trying to be nice. Rodney McLeod, same thing yesterday. He's like, you know what? He's really passionate. Okay. Anybody can be, pass- can be passionate about football. Fans are passionate about football. You know, he holds us accountable. I'm sure Frank Reich did. Maybe not yelling, but in his own way. And they'll tell you, like, you know, he's a player's coach. Yes, because he used to be a player. What else? We never hear about any coaching. Matt Ryan's response was very telling last week. And Matt Ryan is as polished a player in media scrums as anybody. I've been around, very smart, says the right things, never says anything controversial. But I asked him last week about Jeff Saturday, the coach, and it was a little bit like what you just said. There was a long pause. He's added some, you know, he's, he's, he's kept us accountable. No mention of actual coaching. And that's, that's the reality. And this is not a shot at Jeff Saturday. Again, for the 85th time, He's a TV analyst who'd never been on an NFL sideline, and that matters. I don't care what anybody says, that matters. It does. And to put him in this position is not a reflection of him. It's a reflection of the franchise that did that. Yes. And it's kind of, again, piggyback off what you just said. This is not me rooting for Jeff Saturday to fail, thinking that he was not going to be a good— It's it's just the reality of putting someone in, in a position. Great. He's great to yeah, work with. Yeah, but it's the reality of putting anyone in, in a position— to do something that they've never done before. Like all of our listeners, I'm sure you all have jobs, you know, that might be very specific. And if you ask any, like anybody else listening to just go do your job with no experience at all. At the level you're doing. Exactly. They're going to fail. It's not, you know, I want you to, you're just going to, because that's inevitable. You need the experience to kind of help you out. And so I don't think he's going to be brought back after this season. I don't think it's his fault. I think that he's honestly been, pretty honest about everything that he's going through. Maybe a little too honest as far as even like the Matt Ryan thing. Like, Hey, maybe you shouldn't tell us you haven't talked to him about his shoulder. That's hindsight. You know, I'm not, I'm not saying this is on Jeff Saturday, but it is very much on Jim Ursay, Chris Ballard, this overall team. And I just think that they're at ninth, the ninth place right now, regardless of who you play, whether it's Matt Ryan, Sam Ellinger, Nick Foles, you're not going to win very many games the rest of the year. I, I picked him to finish with five wins 
when Jeff Saturday took over. It's holding true right now. I see their last possible win is obviously Houston. I don't see any upsets coming. They could beat the Chargers. They could beat the Giants. They could. They got to finish, which they haven't done. But this is a really important point that I wrote about Sunday night. They wanted Jeff Saturday to come in and hold people accountable, and he's done that. Called out the offensive line. Effort does not win in this league. Effort alone does not win in this league. This league is about execution. You hear it all the time. We've become numb to it in the media. Execution wins. Talent wins. Coaching wins. Belichick. McVay. I mean, look at like they outcoach gains. Shanahan with whatever quarterback he's got. Like coaching wins so much in this league. I think it matters more in this league than, for example, the NBA. But that's a different debate for a different day. But the problem is the Colts are getting outcoached every week. And alone, talent and effort is not going to get it done. And you're seeing that team regress to the mean. They've they've gotten worse every game under Jeff Saturday because at the end of the day, over time, the effort's going to vary. Coaching is the one constant, and that's why teams find consistency. What have the Colts done consistently this year? They've done nothing consistently besides be inconsistent, and that's the problem. That's the problem. And the flaws of this team that start with Chris Ballard, that start at the feet of Chris Ballard, have just been exposed so much this season. And that's the next question for you, James, is this makes them have to rethink everything, right? I mean, every every single approach on offense has to be rethinked, rethought this year. And they need to evaluate whether Chris Ballard has been doing this the right way because the evidence of 2022 says, hell no, this is not the right way to do it. Absolutely. Again, you know, during the intro intro press conference for Jeff Saturday, you know, Jim Irsay doubled down on Chris Ballard being the coach. I mean, not the coach, being the GM, being the guy for the future. That means nothing at this point, in my opinion, just because things change. And I can I, I can only imagine how Jim Irsay, we had video of this, I believe from Wish TV, him getting into that golf cart, not saying a word after the, the, the beat down in Dallas. Yeah. You have to be one like thinking that everything's running through his mind at this point after being embarrassed like that. Like, I think you had the stat during the game where the Colts hadn't given up 30 points all year and they gave up 33 in one quarter. And so it was unbelievable to see, I guess, in real time. And it got to the point where we were all just heads down writing, you know, midway through the fourth quarter because it was over. And the only time we picked our heads up was because they scored again or another turnover, or another near interception. And again, I think that fans are all in on the tank or losing or whatever, but I'll just go back to what I started with. I think that, you know, Matt Ryan cannot play again for this team. I'm sorry he's been given so many chances, and he's done, you know, well in the wins, but I don't see how you look at guys like Zaire Franklin, Stephon Gilmore, Grover, Buckner, and others and say, we're sticking with this guy just because, because it's the most comfortable thing to do when I don't think anybody else would be afforded that opportunity if they were playing that poorly. So we'll see. It's, it's definitely, uh, I guess it gives, you know, something to, to kind of pay attention to after the bye week. But yeah, man, this, this is a four game season, I guess at this point, and all these guys are going to be playing for contracts, futures and stuff like that because playoffs, <laughs> And, and I guess the crazy part is that they're still second, like in the division or something, which is stop, insane. Stop. But yeah, I'll stop, Zach. I don't want to hear the word. Yeah, playoffs. they just got nothing. I don't think the fans do. Hey, they moved up from 14th to nine in the draft yeah. on Sunday. That was a good. That was a good day. 
And we'll see if it keeps if they keep climbing. I mean, they could. Yeah, it does it matter. Does. It will matter a lot in, in February and March and April. My short term question is so much less important than my long term question. My short term question is who's at quarterback when they play the Vikings in two Saturdays? And honestly, it doesn't really matter. <laughs> like, it, I mean, it just doesn't right now. Like, I agree with you. Matt Ryan is, is not it. And it doesn't matter to me whether it's Sam Ellinger or Nick Foles. I totally am for giving Nick Foles a shot. It doesn't matter. This team is is what it is, and and neither of them are going to change that significantly. Maybe it's Nick Foles in a rookie next year, or maybe it's Sam Ellinger in a rookie next year. That's a question for the offseason. But my long-term question is, at the heart of everything what this team does forward is, does Jim Mersey trust Chris Ballard to fix what he has broken? And that's going to be where this team goes from now. We've got our colleague, Bob Kravitz, who wrote on Monday what a lot of people are thinking. It's time to go get Jim Harbaugh. Now, Harbaugh has come out and said, I'm not going back to the NFL. Yeah. I personally put zero stake in what college coaches say. <laughs> Nick Saban famously said, I'm never going to coach at the University of Alabama. And Harbaugh is also on record saying that it stings him that he didn't win a Super Bowl and he came really close. And I mean, the dude went 44-19 and 19 in San Francisco and had some run-ins with management, and that led to his ouster in San Francisco. But every single place he's been, San Diego, Stanford, San Francisco 49ers, and now Michigan has been better when he left it. So his track record speaks for itself. He has a grading personality. He, he you know, gets into disagreements with a lot of people, but the dude wins. And I think he is the ass kicker in some respects, that Jim Irsay is looking for. I think Jim Irsay is looking for the next Mike Vrabel. Um, But anyway, we'll get into coaching stuff as this season ends in January and moving forward. But as of now, Jim Irsay has said Chris Ballard will be back. We will see. Jim Irsay has changed his mind recently. He's changed his mind a lot, and we'll see if that holds. But stunning how that ended Sunday night in Dallas. Absolutely. Stunning. Absolutely. it's, It's hard to remember them playing well at points in that game, but they had the chunk play to Pierce. The easy touchdown to Doolin. JT had some good runs. Zaire broke up I a touchdown Ryman, pass. Like. Ryman played pre- – yeah, Zaire made a great play. Ryman played pretty well on some snaps. I do think he's getting better, but the bad snaps obviously hurt. But like you said, when the quarterback loses it, and Matt Ryan did lose it at the end, this team's got no chance, and it got ugly fast. Real quick, Zach, I want you to – you know, that's pat yourself on the back. You had a really amazing story in the athletic this morning. And I guess the cool part for me is like, you know, I talked to you about, we talked to each other about what we're, what we're working on. And I hear for weeks, like, Hey, I got this thing I'm working on. It's going to run this day or whatever, whatever. And like, for those of you who don't know what's about Jeff is I'm saying his last name. Is it Harad? Jeff Harad, former Colts, uh, great, who I actually hadn't heard of prior to like maybe two months ago when you had kind of first, you know, broached the topic or whatever, and I thought, you know, the quotes you got from him to kind of really lay out how debilitating his life is now that he's laid it all on the line. Can you just, I guess, explain what went into, I guess, going back down memory lane and for him, a very painful memory lane that's still painful to this day, just in his everyday life? Yeah, just to give you an insight into how long I've been working on this story, the first time we talked was the morning of the Denver Broncos game. So that was week five. And we had about an hour and a half longer conversation that day. And obviously, there's been a lot that's happened with the Colts ever since. So the story got pushed back and pushed back. But Jeff Harrod is in a world of hurt. I remember watching him as a kid. He was one of my favorite players. He was a monster in the middle of the field, just your prototypical inside linebacker. And in those days, there was no concussion protocol. 
you know, he estimates he had somewhere between 300 and 400,000 sub concussions, which is anytime the brain crashes against the skull. But you play like the way Jeff Harrod played, you're going to pay the price and he's paying the price right now. And it's, it's almost unbearable. He's thought about suicide every single day as a struggle. He doesn't wear dress clothes because they're too hard to put on. He throws up out of nowhere. He wants to punch someone if he hears a loud noise. A couple of years ago, he was in a restaurant and a baby started crying. And he had this strange urge to pour coffee on the baby. He didn't, but he went home and cried instead. And his mind is lost. His body's breaking down. And, and there's really no hope because it's just going to get worse and worse and worse. And credit to Jeff. He didn't hold back at all. At all. This was ugly and this was dark, but I think it's important to show where these guys are at in their lives. Especially those earlier heroes, like those earlier guys, those earlier gladiators who were not afforded any of the science and money and resources that we see today, which are just routine, even for like the lowest guy on the team. Yeah. Jeff says there were moments two or three minutes after a game when he would be talking to his mom and she'd ask him about a play and he'd say, I have no idea what you're talking about. I mean, there's times when he would get concussed and then play the next play and the defensive coordinator would get mad at him because he didn't remember the play. Well, he'd been concussed. And so, you know, and, and obviously concussions get way worse when it's not treated and then you get another one. So he's in a world of hurt. He wears sunglasses all the time. He never leaves the house. And some of the quotes are very damning. So I encourage you guys, if you remember Jeff Harrod or if you care about what it's like for these guys as the game fades further from memory, to check that one out. It's on The Athletic right now. But otherwise, it's going to be quiet for a couple of days around here. The Colts have the entire week off. They met Monday. Jeff Saturday told them, look, guys, we got four games left. What are you about? What What is left? You're, paying, you're playing for pride right now and your name, and, and that's it. So we'll see what this team is made of. They got a tough slate. They got Minnesota next Saturday. But for now, the Colts, uh, a lot of these guys are going to get out of town for a couple of days and spend some time with family. Yeah, that's that's the plan for me as well. I'll be working on some stuff, but going to make the trip, you know, up I-65 to the fam and they'll, you know, uh, ask me a million questions about the team. I'm joking. They don't care about they don't care about football. They don't care about the Colts. They don't care. Like my dad keeps up with it. My mom, my sister, they couldn't care less. They'll just be glad to see me. Might not see him for the holidays or whatever, but it'll be good to kind of, you know, unplug from just that day to day grind of this team and then we'll plug back in for that last you know month haul and we'll see where things stack up because as rough as the season has been and how unprecedented it has been just for some of the moves the last four games matter a lot solely you know if, if only for draft positioning so we'll see how that goes it's going to be an interesting slip and then i i really think it's going to get interesting come january 10th after week 18, and Jim Mercer starts to make his decisions about where this team is going from there. But we have a little bit of a stretch. Happy belated birthday to James. He spent it the only <laughs> way you can spend your 27th birthday with an all-nighter in Dallas. I think we left the press box about 2, 2.30. You had like a 4.45 flight, so you, there was no, there was no sleep involved, correct? No, literally, you know, got back to the hotel after you dropped me off, um, you know, said our goodbyes in the hallway, and I, I just stayed up for an hour. And uh, packed up and went oh, straight to the brutal. airport. I've done that before. I got five hours of sleep, so I, I was, I was, I was good. I was happy with that. But, yeah, it was, it um, was funny. I didn't even know. You know, I knew. Obviously, I know when my birthday is, but I had, I didn't realize like you know the clock had you know passed or whatever 
until uh, Nate Atkins from Indy Star, you know, leans back. He's like, "Hey, James, happy birthday!" And I'm looking. I was like, "Oh, like it is midnight." But like, all right, cool. Now, you were you were knee deep. Yeah, in the story back about to Matt the story. Ryan. So it was how uh, it's, it's fitting in some way. Yeah. So, but honestly, it was a blessing to obviously live this life, have this job. And I'm looking forward to, you know, the joke now is like the seasons that has aged me, you know, but nah, it's only one year. So uh, we'll see what happens the last stretch this of beat it. has aged me, that's for sure. <laughs> Thank you to all you guys for listening. Thank you for following along with our work. We've got some really good stories in the works. I know you guys don't believe it with the season the way it's been. Stay tuned. But we do have some really good stories coming. Um, I'm working on a few. I was writing one on the plane yesterday. James has one he's been working on for a couple of weeks. There are good stories to be told about this beat. And we're going to do it on The Athletic. And thank you for listening to 1% Better. We will catch up with you guys after the bye. Enjoy the weekend off.